there was um, once a man who uh, came into a new town, much like Huron. Got lots of people coming to Huron. I'm still trying to figure out why, but they're coming. If you go down by our house, um, south of town, I think they're just put up like 5,000 apartments. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to fill them, but somebody told us the other day that they've already got them all full. So um, if you have a favorite place at one of the local restaurants, you better start getting there early because someone's going to have your spot. But there are people coming to Huron, and some of those people are going to be looking for a church to attend. And there are lots of churches in Huron. And just like this man who came to town, he started uh, checking on the internet or way back when you opened the yellow pages and started looking at the churches. And there was a, a plethora of them. And so he began to pray, Lord, uh, lead me to a church that is perfect. Not the not the church that's perfect for me, but the church that just is downright perfect. And he went from church to church to church to church, thinking that each one was perfect, each one had things to offer. But he couldn't understand that while he was there for a few days, the church that looked so perfect didn't look so perfect anymore. Finally, he got on his knees one day and he said, Lord, I'm just looking for the perfect church. Is that so hard? Jesus spoke to him and said, friend, there are lots of perfect churches until you get there. We'll let that sink in a little. church was perfect until I got there. That included the churches I pastor. I don't bring perfection. I bring brokenness. I don't bring wisdom. I bring lots of questions. I don't bring a lot of strength into the church. I bring weakness. I don't necessarily bring a lot to offer, but I sure need a lot. And I think what's true for me is true for you as well. We come broken and maybe a little foolish Maybe feeling we have nothing to offer, but have lots to take. And all of that brokenness and messiness makes our churches not perfect. And we've been looking at the churches of Revelation, that Jesus is sending a letter to these seven churches. And as we've read through them, it's very clear to us that there isn't a perfect one in the bunch. And yet Jesus doesn't settle for imperfection. Jesus 
calls the church to uh, rise up. The scriptures tell us both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that we are to be holy like God is holy. That seems like an impossible task. At least it does to me. See, I firmly believe after, you know, scores of years following Jesus, after 40 plus years of serving in the pulpit, that there are no perfect churches. And God doesn't call us to perfection. He calls us to holiness and obedience. Holiness and obedience. And that's what Jesus is calling the churches to uh, today. I want to um, look at the last three churches. The church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, and the church of Laodicea. To look at them and think, see ourselves in them. Do we see ourselves in these churches? Uh, not just as individuals, but as Bethesda. And maybe gain from them that which will help transform our hearts. If all I give you today is information I've missed, I haven't done what God has called me to do. Because we come here today to learn from God's word, not for information's sake, but for transformation. That's what Jesus, that's the reason Jesus wrote to the churches. Not just to give them information about where they are, but he wanted them to be transformed so they could be what he called them to be. Let's look and start with the church of Sardis, Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Sardis, one of those seven churches of Asia Minor. 
Sardis was built upon an acropolis, upon a hill, uh, along with the other churches in that area, Philadelphia and Laodicea. Uh, up on that hill for um, hundreds of years, Sardis was seemingly out of reach of danger. They were unconquerable. In fact, the, the Greeks used to, when they wanted to speak of a person who was strong, they would say, he's like Sardis, uncomfortable, conquerable. They had an illustrious uh, history. They were a proud place that had lots to offer. And like the rest of the churches in that valley, they uh, were prone to earthquakes. Now, I don't know if, I don't think you get a lot of earthquakes here in South Dakota. I know you've had a few, but I've lived in earthquakes that, you know, have moved me out of bed in the morning. I have been in earthquakes that cause us to run out of the house. I've seen the aftermath firsthand of what the shaking of the earth can do. And I think it was back in AD 17, an earthquake hit Sardis and leveled it. Sardis built on that hill was knocked flat. And even in Sardis's past, they would um, think that they could not be conquered because of their location, and they became lazy, let their guard down, literally. And the armies around would sneak up the sides of the hill and conquered the city. And this had happened over and over again, earthquakes and conquering of that which was not supposed to be conquered. They had a good reputation, but the time that Jesus was talking, um, their reputation had literally gone downhill. Jesus speaks to the church in the midst of that. Notice what he says. I know what you've done. You have a reputation of being alive. But you're dead. Sardis was a church like the city that was living off its reputation. They had works. They did work, but they were works in the past. Jesus says here, I have come and I have found your works incomplete. You're not done. But they thought they were done. And they looked back and said, we are a good church. We are a strong church. We are not conquerable. Jesus comes and says, yeah, you may think so, but you are dead. 
Jesus says the judgment will be if you don't repent, I'm going to come to you like those armies in the night. You think you're up on a hill, but I will come and I will tear you down. I will come like a thief. I will sneak in when you know it not. I will bring you down. It's interesting that in the churches of Asia Minor, you can visit many of them. You can still visit Ephesus, and there's a city tied to it. You can visit the other places, and nearby there is a city that still is alive, but not Sardis. All there are are a few ruins. It's not there today, but in their archaeological digs, they found the temple where the people used to worship. And interestingly, they found right next to the temple a building that gives evidence that it was a church. The temple is gone. And the church is gone. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that situation. It's easy for the church to live off of its reputation. Looking back on all the good things that they had done, but as Jesus would say to Sardis, um, you're not alive. You're just looking back. Repent. What does he say? He goes, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. Just like the people of Sardis fell asleep so the thieves would come in, Jesus says, wake up. Be aware. That which you have received and heard, do those things. And yet he has some good news in verse 4. He says, but there are still a few of you who have not soiled their garments. One thing about Sardis, it was known uh, just like Laodicea as a place of uh, making beautiful garments out of, out of the wool of the sheep that were in the area. Jesus gives this picture that would be alive to the people. You don't have soiled garments, you have white garments Return and do the things that you did at the first, as he said to the church in Ephesus. And if you do, if you conquer, if you remain steadfast, you'll be clothed in white garments. And we know from reading farther on, and these are the white garments of righteousness that belongs to Christ. And he says, if you remain steadfast, um, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I don't know about you, but that's good news. <laughs> He's not going to erase that name. And then look what he says, I will confess your name before my father and before his angels. Not, will I, not only will I clothe you in white, not only will I make sure that your name stays secure in the book, 
but I will tell my father, these are mine. I know them. Those, what happens to those who remain steadfast, who don't fall back on their reputation? And if there's a message for us today from the church of Sardis is, our reputation needs to be found in Jesus. Not in the history of our church, but in Jesus. Not in who we were, but who we are in Jesus. That's where our reputation needs to be found. How many um, strong, dare I say, great religious leaders, preachers, have fallen back on their reputation only to fall further? Our reputation needs to be in Christ. Then we come to the church of Philadelphia. They too were under constant threat of earthquakes through all of their existence. In fact, it's been written of the church of, of Philadelphia that um, the, the creases in the walls, or the cracks in the walls, never cease. Ever had that crack at home in the wall and you plaster it over or paint it over and you come back the next year and the crack is there. You put a little more plaster in, you paint it over and you come back the next year and the crack is there. That's the way it was at Philadelphia. It was always had cracks. It was a very insecure place. A place of weakness. Ever-changing never knowing what's going to have next. And to that, Jesus speaks. He says, I know your works. Verse 8, I know your works. And behold, I have set before you an open door. There is an opportunity for you. An opportunity that's there that no one can shut. And he goes on and he says, I know that you have but little power. You are a scared, insecure little church. And yet, you've kept my word. You've not denied my name. Even though, as verse 9 tells us, even though there are Jews in the city who are fighting against you, they should be with you, but they fight against you. Someday I will come and I will make them bow down at your feet. You will not be weak. You will not be beat up. You will not be insecure, but you will have strength. You will not be shaken, but you will be firm. Because I have loved you. And he says in verse 10, this is the reason why it's so. 
because you have kept my word about patient endurance. You have kept going. And I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. He keeps the church. He protects the church. Nothing will come against his church who remains in his word and not deny his name. He gives them hope in verse 11. He says, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have. Don't give up, little church. Don't let anybody take away what is yours. Don't let anybody seize your crown. I'm with you. Don't compare yourself to the cities around or the, as for us would be the churches around us. It's one reason I don't like ministerial groups. I don't like going to pastor's conferences. Because all it is is, how many people you got on Sunday morning? How's your budget doing? And even if you really want to sound spiritual, how many baptisms have you had this year? And then the lying begins. You know, then the untruths come out. But we can shadow it. We can know how to make it sound spiritual. We're not about numbers at our church. We're about the word of God. That's like having a 104 degree temperature and say, I'm not about numbers. You know. Now Jesus says, it's tough being the church, but hold on, hold fast. I'm coming for you. You will make it through this tribulation. And the one who conquers, verse 12, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which will come down from heaven and my own new name. The temples of Philadelphia, like the temples of Sardis, will fall. They are weak things built by man. But Jesus says, I will make you a pillar in the Father's temple. And just like God's name or the name of the God was stamped or carved in the, uh, the uh, top of that, top of that tent, uh, temple, Jesus says, I will put my name on you. You will be firm and steadfast. You will be able to stand. You will be there for, you will be part of us for eternity. I will put my very name on you. You will not be weak. You will be strong. I will make you a, a dwelling place of God. The presence of God marked by him. Then we come to the church of Laodicea. 
Uh, this little portion that talks about Laodicea, if you've been a Christian any length of time, uh, a reader of God's word, this, this portion of scripture has two uh, verses that we love to quote. Sadly, sometimes taken out of context. You see, the problem with the church of, or the city of Laodicea, or maybe it really wasn't a problem, it's just how they were made, is that it was a center of banking. Money existed there. They made these gorgeous carpets out of black wool. They had great wealth. They even had a medical school in the city. <laughs> it always scares me when I hear about medical schools in the first century. That's when they took spikes and held them against the side of your head when you had a headache and thought they could knock the headache right out of you. Didn't always go too well. But anyway, they had a medical school. But yet it was also an area uh, plagued by earthquakes. So what was the problem of the church? And the angel of the church of Laodicea write, these are the words of the I am, the one who says, let it be so. The faithful one, the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. There were two aqueducts that came into the city of Laodicea. One brought hot water from the hot baths above them, the hot springs, and another brought cold, refreshing water. The problem would be is those waters would sometimes mix and that which is hot and cold becomes lukewarm and the people would taste the water and it would spit it out of their mouth. They wanted the cold water or they wanted the hot water, but even the people of Laodicea didn't want the lukewarm. And Jesus says, um, I wish you were one or the other. Now, sometimes we look at this and say, well, as Christians, we need to be, you know, hot for Jesus. And cold seems to have a negative connotation. But what Jesus is really saying here is, I want you to remain in me. I want you to be uh, people of conviction and commitment and not self-sufficient. Be, be hot. Be cold, but just don't be in that mixy metal, middle. And he goes on, he says, for you, like the city, say, look back at the city, for you, say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. I've got it all together. We are self-sufficient as a church. We really don't need much of anything. We've got great programs and the budget looks uh, robust. We're doing well here. We're good. We're one of the perfect churches in the city. But Jesus says, 
not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. You think you're rich? You're naked. So therefore, Jesus says in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, not the gold in the banks of Laodicea, but my gold, so that you may be rich and you may wear white garments. You will cover your nakedness. You will have a salve to anoint your eyes. In that medical school, they had developed a salve for the eyes out of pulverized rock. Now, whoever thought that was a good idea, I don't know. The last thing I want in my eyeball is pulverized rock. I told you about the medicine of the first century. But Jesus says, you will be salve for, there'll be salve for your eyes. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous and repent. Jesus says, I'm giving you this message, Church of Laodicea, so that because I love you, I could just let you go and suffer the repercussions. But I love you too much. Therefore, I reprove and discipline you. I want you to be zealous. I want you to have conviction. And it's the compassion of Jesus that really allows us to have conviction. Be zealous and repent. And then verse 20. I don't know how many evangelistic meetings I've gone to and this verse has been quoted. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This, these words are not written to the unsaved. Do you understand that? They're written to the church. They're not written to those outside the walls of the church. They're written to those who fill the pews of a church. Jesus says to the church, I stand at your door and I knock. And church, Christian, if you will open the door, I will come in. And I will dwell with you. And you will dwell with me. And we will enjoy fellowship together. That's Jesus' heart for the church is to say, I want you to be one with me. I want to dwell within you. And I want you to dwell within me. Go back and read John's gospel. Jesus said, this is the message of my heart, Bethesda. I want to dwell with you. I want to sup with you. I want to sit in your presence. I want to share life with you. 
I love you so much. I love you so much. I can think of nothing better than just to be together with you. Open the door. I will come in. I promise I will come in. If we pray that prayer, Jesus, I want more of you. Jesus says, you can have me, all of me. And in another sermon, we'll talk about the fact that Jesus says, I also want all of you. Jesus says to the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me, to dwell with me on my throne as I have conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Don't be secure in yourself. Be secure in Jesus and you will sit with him. So we've looked at the seven churches And there are recurring dangers. There is the danger of losing your first love. There is the danger of being afraid of suffering. There is the danger of doctrinal defection. There is the danger of moral departure. There is the danger of spiritual deadness and not holding fast. There is the danger of lukewarmness. And what was true for the churches of Revelation is true for the church today in the world. And so what do we do? We need to test ourselves often. As individuals, we need to test ourselves often. I would encourage you to take that list of recurring dangers, and I'll be happy to send you that list if you didn't write it down, and tape it on the inside of your Bible, or put it on a reminder on your phone, so that every week it comes up to say, Randall, how you doing? How you doing? in these things? What do you need to repent of? How you doing? And I think we need to do that on a constant, regular basis. Just like um, stepping on the scale. We step on it once, and we refuse from what we have seen to ever step on it again. It stays in the corner of the bathroom, but I walk by it every time. I don't want to test myself against the scale because I'm afraid what the scale is going to say. To me, it usually says, one of you needs to get off. (laughs) Test yourself often. And I think the church needs to test itself often. As a, as a group, and I would encourage the church, this church, to take those teachings of Revelation, the seven churches of Revelation, and maybe put them on the inside of your annual report. And during your business meeting, ask yourself the question as a church, how are we doing? Where's our health today? 
Where do we need to, what do we need to pick up and what do we need to lay down? Jesus has big hope for his church. And sometimes I'm a, as a pastor, I look over the churches that I've been part of and said, Jesus, I know you put this together a long time ago, recorded in the book of Acts, but did you really believe it was a good idea? I've often said, oh, that it could be just me and Jesus. Everything would be fine until I showed up. hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.